0: I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us. From famous figures who died on the very same day, to the things I wish would die, like buffets... All that and much more. Listen to Mobituaries with Moraka wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there, C-Note here, and welcome back to Dopamine. I'm your host, Christian Rivera, a.k.a. C-Note, and today I wanted to answer the question, which personality type makes the best presenter, YouTuber, podcaster, on-screen personality? We'll even talk about writing a little bit, because I think it relates to some of the stuff I want to talk about. But usually on this channel, I talk about personality systems in relation to Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. And so I want to cover those two areas a little bit in this video to kind of briefly answer the basics of that question and give you a sense of maybe where you could start to fall in. And then you can let me know in the comments if you want something more specific about your personality type and that's something I can cover in the future. So what I want to do is I want to break down Basically, the, the initial answer to the question is a little bit of a cop-out answer. And it's that anyone can be a great presenter. Anyone can find a way to build the skill set to be a better producer, a better speaker, a better uh, producer Did I say producer already? I think I did. (laughs) Um, You know, to keep things light, to be adaptable or to write a script and follow the script or to do something that's a little bit more buttoned up. I'm sure you've watched a a, a myriad of videos or listened to a myriad of podcasts that have a variety of styles amongst different people. And if you get start to develop an understanding of personality types, you can start to see that different personality types have kind of trends towards which kinds of videos that they create. So, um, you know, I'm an INTP in the Myers-Briggs system, and a lot of INTPs don't typically get on camera. Some of them do, and maybe they do for a little while, and maybe they uh, end up falling by the wayside and doing something else. But I think a lot of INTPs end up, for example, uh, doing something where it's maybe a screen capture And you just talk over the screen capture and you don't have your face on the camera. You don't have to do anything that's, um, you know, uncomfortable. Sometimes uh, there are some personality types that prefer to write instead of doing, you know, more of a a blog or writing articles or email lists or anything like that, instead of being on camera or being on stage or being on a podcast. And I've noticed some trends in both the Enneagram and in Myers-Briggs. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take both. I'm actually going to switch uh, focus here, and we're going to go into Photoshop because I've been a designer for, for uh, 20 years, and that's something I want to start bringing into this content is visualizing some of what I'm talking about here. So let's start with Myers-Briggs because I want to talk about something simple when it comes to Myers-Briggs, and that is the four-letter code, not lorem ipsum, but <laughs> uh, let's do intp and let's do so. I'm going to talk through while I'm doing some of this stuff. Let's my like make INTP larger here, and then on the other side, we're going to look at the other four letters, which is ESFJ. Now I'm not talking about these two personality types. Let's actually change the colors here so we can get um, some oppositional energy. So. What I'm going to do also is separate these out. Because again, I'm not talking about the two personality types. I'm talking about the letters. Because when you, with Myers-Briggs, the letters, essentially, are what are called dichotomies. So you've got E and I, you've got N and S, you got T and F, and then P and J, right? So these each are different dichotomies let me find another way to separate this out so that it's a little bit easier to visualize what i'm saying here let me actually spread this out a little bit more and do all that i hope you don't mind the clicking that's the only keyboard i got so it's what we're going to work with (laughs) um so i'm actually going to take a let's take a square let's just do like a I don't know a different color we haven't used before, and let's separate these dichotomies. So we've got E and I, right? And let's throw this underneath and just kind of fade it a little bit, so you can kind of see that I'm highlighting I and E, and then I can move it over to N and S, and then we've got T and F, and then P and J. Don't worry about it being not being perfectly lined up. This is just for visual kind of illustration purposes, so don't don't sweat the specifics like i probably would um so when you're talking about being a performer uh you know the the first dichotomy that tends to stick out is i and e introvert or extrovert and it's you know if you can make your assumptions you would think that being an extroverted sensing feeling and judging type would be the most outwardly um uh, available to be a great personality on YouTube or podcasting or or uh, on stage or anything like that. And I think that's a fair assumption. I think an ESFJ the, the uh, of this dichotomy here would make a lot of sense as someone who is extroverted. They're going to be speaking their thoughts more out loud. They're going to be outspoken. They're going to be adaptable to... least a little bit adaptable to the room. They're going to be reading the room because they're a feeler. They're going to be in the moment and looking at the details of everyone around them with the sensing part. And then they're going to have a little bit of something prepared and they're going to be ready to go. And then in part of their presentation, maybe they've rehearsed it and workshopped it. So an ESFJ, as like the one side of the extreme that we're talking about here would make a lot of sense as someone who would maybe be on stage and be a presenter, right? And then We've got the other side of things, the INTP. And like I said, the INTP is an introverted, intuitive thinking and perceiving type. So introverted being a little bit more internally focused versus extroversion being more reality, external reality focused. Intuition being a little bit more about behind the scenes, maybe tinkering, maybe a little bit more head focused and maybe looking at looking at patterns of what's happening in a scenario then that can make it into uh, someone very adaptable, but also um, can maybe pull someone out of the moment when they're with other people. The thinking side can maybe over-focus on data and maybe not necessarily focus on the people element, which is why maybe giving presentations can be really powerful for an INTP who's just doing um, like there's a, there's a YouTube channel called emergency awesome. And he's got a wealth of knowledge around, um, <clears throat> around comic books and pop culture he's worked for deadline uh which is a a hollywood news site and uh, he has a youtube channel where he breaks down movies and um sort of looks for uh, looks for and expresses like easter eggs and all sorts of little details but he doesn't really show his face on camera that much I don't think he doesn't, I don't think he minds that much showing his face, but he more so just show, shows movie clips and talks over them. And he has a bit of a script and works off of that. But he's still personable enough to um, <clears throat> to be relatable to the audience, right? <clears throat> I apologize for my um, throat. So... The perceiving side is going to be the adaptable side. So if you don't know what perceiving and judging means, it's basically how you show up to the world. So perceiving is the way that you, uh, uh, more adaptability, like you show up to an experience basically ready to learn and being ready to learn is more so about, um, you know, you're, you're responding to external stimuli and data, right? And judging tends to show up more prepared to do a specific type of, of execution of something or work or um, to kind of stick to a uh, stick to the plan, in a way, right? So perceivers tend to be more freeform in the outside world. Judges tend tend to be a little bit more focused and buttoned up in the outside world. And conversely, perceivers are a little bit more organized internally, meaning there's a lot of information, like I mentioned with emergency awesome, he's got a lot of information that he works with and he's able to organize that and express that, um, through his, through his work. And then judges are a little bit more free form and a little bit more relaxed in their private spaces in their own internal world. So I've got more videos about those expressions of those. So if you want to go dive into that, you totally can, but just giving you a sense that these dichotomies are interesting in that you know no matter which type you are so if you're an e n let me go back here if you're an e n t j for example you know you are going to have a mix of those things that i just talked about that that introversion or extroversion is going to be very helpful oh man cicada being really loud let's close that Oh yeah, that's better. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but you know, as I mentioned, I'm an intuitive perceiver, so I'm adapting to the moment. There was new stimulus outside. There was something I needed to adapt to instead of, you know, maybe potentially freaking out and pausing the video and saying like, Oh no, I need to do it again. Or I need to fix that thing or cut the thing out. I'm more freeform with the way that I perform and the way I talk. So I'm adaptable and that's, you know, me being an intuitive perceiver, particularly gives me that sort of adaptability. Now SPs can be adaptable in that way as well. So sensor and perceiver can be adaptable in that way as well. And um but it's really dependent on uh sensors are just going to be a little bit more uh embodied. Let me move that because my I have a a light here on the Yeti and it was like shining on my face. Um so sensor perceivers are going to be a little bit more adaptable but with doing more physical things, if they're like, you know, maybe giving a physical instruction about building something and something falls and they're going to be like kind of ready to catch it and adapting to that, to that moment. Whereas maybe a sensor judger may not completely, but may be a little bit more trying to um, stick to the script, something that they've planned or something that they've uh, done over and over again. And are executing, again, to show to show you, right? So it really depends on, again, these different factors of different personalities. So let me go back through one more time, because I've kind of jumped around, as I tend to do, as an NP. And um, let me just cover these, these uh, dichotomies again real quick. And then we can jump into just kind of like the last little teaser of talking about some of the Enneagram stuff. So introversion and extroversion, as I said, sense of reality, internal sense of reality versus external sense of reality. So if you're thinking about podcasting, YouTubing, or writing, introverts tend to lean more towards writing or more podcasting, something where they may not necessarily have to adapt to other people's energy, or something where you might not need to amp up your own energy, right? You might be able to stay in more of your comfort zone. And now I think there are skills that you can develop. You know, I'm an introvert. I may sound like I'm extroverted because I'm just kind of performing right now, but you can develop the skills to perform in the ways that you need to perform in whatever situations that you end up being in, right? So being an introvert is not a death sentence when it comes to your ability to to go on stage and speak and be comfortable in those environments, right? I mean, for me, it's just been over time. I've done a lot of videos. I've done a lot of podcasts. I've just kind of developed this skill over the last few years to be able to talk and adapt in this sort of a way. And it really starts with you as an introvert being able to push yourself to get out into that sort of space and start where it's comfortable and then just kind of push a little bit. It's like muscles, right? You don't start muscle building by like trying to lift a thousand pounds. You just start with where you're at and then push a little bit more, right? So if you need to lift 10 pounds, try lifting 12 pounds, 15 pounds. And so when it comes to speaking, It's like start with doing a presentation with a screenshot, start with maybe just doing a podcast, maybe write a script first and see how that feels, right? And just kind of go from there and then see how you can maybe push it a little bit. And if your energy is becoming drained by what you're doing, you know, too often, maybe just make adaptations. You don't have to force yourself to be any one way or the other, right? And then extroversion is going to have sort of the opposite problem, right? Where it may be easy for you to get on camera and vibe or get on a live chat and just kind of wing it and see how the room feels and just kind of go with it. Whereas maybe you might need to actually bring the energy down and focus it a little bit and help to rein it in. Maybe make people feel a little bit more relaxed instead of like getting excited all the time or being so regimented. So I started to talk about ENTJ, for example, an ENTJ or an Enneagram eight or um, a body type, depending on the type of person, maybe a little bit more like, let's get it done, you know, jump right into the thing and let's just be succinct and let's make a bunch of two minute videos (laughs) and just do the thing and say the information and then move on. Right. But vibing is going to be important. Making sure you're checking in with people's emotional needs is going to be important. So Whatever your dichotomies are, if you're an ENTJ, an ENFJ, uh, ESFP, you know, consider bringing in some of the other sides of the dichotomies, right? So, let's say if you're an ESFP, uh, ESFP an ESFP, and you're giving a, a, a talk about dance, or you're performing on stage, or you're, you're, or something like that, um, it doesn't necessarily need to be something that is improvisational, which if you've got enough talent, you could do that, but it can be helpful to bring in some scripted elements or something that you've determined beforehand. That would be an actually interesting or exciting moment that you've practiced over and over again, that fits into a certain section of the routine. And you're not just necessarily always feeling out where it goes. So I think it's good to do those growth stretches, but Again, if you're if you're varying personality types, I think it's really going to depend on finding your natural strengths. That's why learning your personality type, I think, is good. And leaning into your strengths, right? And then using those skill, those muscle building elements of those strengths and bringing that into lifting up some of your weaknesses and incorporating some of those elements. That doesn't mean shifting from an ESFP to an ESFJ. Not that that's something you can actually do. Your personality type does not change and I'll do another video about that. But what I'm trying to say is that there are sometimes if, if you're getting a little bit stale in one direction, try changing it and doing something else and adding another element of another aspect of your personality type. Cause what's important to note is that even though you might be an INTP or an ESFJ or an ESTJ or whatever personality type that we all have, that didn't work out as planned. We all have all eight of these cognitive functions. Just what your four letters are, are your preferences and your preferences, meaning not that you consciously chose them, but it's your best fit type in terms of which mental process you use Almost by default, you know, what is your main basic operating mode? And um, that's why it's important to get to know these things. So I'm going to blast through the rest of these because I keep getting distracted. Intuitive and sensing is again like int- intuitives tend to be a little bit more head focused, pattern recognition, and a little bit more about imagination and a little bit more about possibilities. And then sensing types tend to be more about the physical world and sensing you know taste touch smell what can i physically experience in my world in front of me not the possibilities of what's going to happen next or not uh or or not trying to look at why how these things are similar but like literally just looking at this thing for what it is this is a guitar pick that's just it's a guitar pick this is not a frisbee this is not uh a weird spaceship, which is what an intuitive may be able to say, but it's it's a guitar pick. That's what it is. And again, intuitives have a sensing side. Sensings have an, an intuitive side. All of that fun stuff. But when it comes to presenting, you know, intuitives, as I've been doing, I've been kind of bouncing around and I'm just kind of jumping from one idea to another. Now, if you're an intuitive judger, that may be a little bit more focused because I'm an NP. So being an NP. I'm more adaptable and I'm almost trying to cause a little bit of chaos so that I can have something to adapt to. Whereas an NJ almost has a script that they want to stick to in their mind and they will probably do everything that they can to, if there is an adaptation to just be like, all right, nope, let's rein it back in. Let's refocus. Let's go where we're trying to go. And I think NJs are going to be really good at podcasting and really good at uh, leading a narrative. So writing can be really great for a lot of NJs. And, um, if you maybe have it like a series of videos that you want to do or something that's just a little bit more thoughtful, I think a lot of NJs will be really great with that. And then SJs or SPs, um, uh, again, M- NPs. let me mention real quick, can be really improv- improvisational. I think that could be really helpful for that too. And then if you think about SJs or SPs, as I mentioned with SPs, if you're doing like a physical tutorial, I feel like a lot of SPs on YouTube are like my YouTube dads. <laughs> they're like teaching me how to build Ikea furniture and stuff like that. And they're they're pretty adaptable to when things go wrong. So let's say they're putting something together and there's a missing piece and they're like, oh, you know what? I have one of these things. Or if you're at home, you can have one of this. You can use this instead. And they're very adaptable to the changing circumstances. So SPs can be very visual, um, and again, I think that's going to suit um, uh, sensors a little bit better to be on camera or to be on stage physically showing something, right? And then um, intuitives may have a better job being a little bit more pulled back, maybe on camera, but maybe not the focus of attention or on a podcast or writing about kind of like a bigger picture, esoteric topic. And then I think thinker and feeler, we kind of touched on perceiver and judger. So I'm not going to do that again, but thinker and feelers, as I said, like kind of adapting based on the emotions of the room or your emotions or um, the data itself and favoring that. So if you're a thinker and you're presenting a lot of data, you know, presentations make sense. I know a lot of thinkers do podcasts because it gives you room to just kind of like talk out your thoughts, thought process and logic. That's kind of what I'm doing to me. This is like a hybrid. This is like I'm on camera and I can keep looking at the camera and say hi and wave at you and all that fun stuff. Wave. There you go. But I'm mostly focused here. So I'm not really focused on myself. You know, look, you don't have to look at me the whole time. You can look at the screen and, um, you know, get us get a sense of what I'm saying. So I'm trying this like hybrid approach for me to to get some of the tension off of my over explaining, right, and bringing in some visual elements to make it a little bit more softer, and something that can be more palatable. And, you know, I'm a thinker, but I try to vibe as best as I can. But I'm, you know, I'm by myself, I'm not vibing off of anyone else but I hope you can give me comments and then we can talk. And I I do welcome that side of myself, but mostly I'm trying to share my logic with you, share some of my findings with you, and some of those ideas. Whereas a feeler on YouTube or a podcast or writing may be talking about um, more healing-based topics, or maybe talking about um, interpersonal dynamics, talking about um, uh, relationship building, maybe talking about Uh, reading a room, you know, things like that. Um, These are very base level sort of understandings of these uh, dichotomies, but you get the general idea. So if you're any, you know, whatever personality type you are, there's essentially a, uh, a mode of being for you. There's a mode of of creating for you. And that's really what I wanted to make this video for is to show that there are different ways that you can take your, like, because you're not in, if you're not in ESFJ, that doesn't mean you're, you can't make YouTube videos, or that doesn't mean you can't do um, writing or podcasts, but you may have a tendency or propensity for one thing or the other. So if you want to start somewhere, there's no shame in that. Like if you want to do a presentation or screenshots or screen capture or game streaming and not have your face on the camera, that's fine. Like no one's judging you for that. Some people are gonna have their some people who are maybe more extroverted or more reaction focused, like um, uh reaction YouTubers tend to be uh censors, ESFPs typically, or ESTPs, because they're like big reactions like, whoa my god, bro, right? <laughs> or or even um uh, ENPs as well. So ENTPs or ENFPs can also be like big about reactions and, and sharing their responses to things. Right. And if you, if you don't feel like you do that, like most of my facial expressions are relatively the same, unless I'm laughing about something. And so I was insecure about when I first started creating YouTube videos, because I wanted to, you know, everybody does these, 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 um, thumbnails where it's just like, Or whatever and i'm like i can't think of all of the emotions that would actually relate to this video so i don't want to do that (laughs) it just didn't make sense to me uh so you know if it doesn't make sense to you if it doesn't fit your natural flow then that's fine like no one's judging you for having to do things a specific way but again push yourself a little bit i've developed some skills to be able to talk on camera and to be able to adapt and be able to you know do this stuff on photoshop and whatnot And that's really helping with my experience. And, you know, platform can be different too. I do anecdotal writing on Twitter, but long form writing is not really something that fits me, even though I'm an introvert. Um, There's another element to consider, and this will be a great transition into thinking about the Enneagram. Now, the Enneagram has three centers of intelligence. Now, I did not pull up the Enneagram symbol, but... Um, yeah, uh, that's fine. Uh, I'll just do a quick explanation. So let me do eight, nine, one, and then we'll duplicate that. And then we'll do two, three, and four. Let's change the color to maybe like an orange and then do that. Copy that down. And then Five, six, seven. All right. Let me even do like a like a pinkish color for that. Yeah. Uh, the colors in this case are not really specifically representing anything, though I want to do some videos in the future about color theory, representation, stuff like that. So if you've seen the Enneagram symbol and you're aware of the Enneagram as a concept, most teachers teach starting from eight. They go eight, nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And there's a reason for that. Because eight, nine, and one are one center of intelligence, two, three, and four are another center of intelligence, and then five, six, and seven, those personality types fall under another type of intelligence. So let me move this over and then I'll just write this out next to it. And um, actually, no, I will do something smaller. And eight, nine, and one are body types. And so we'll put that there. And then we've got two, three, and four. Let's do... Nope, no, no, no. Two, three, and four are heart types. We'll put that there. Again, not super organized. We'll just do our best. And then five, six, and seven are known as head types. Now, the centers of intelligence for the Enneagram represent uh basically three like it's what it sounds like it's three way three different types of intelligences now you might not be aware of of this or maybe maybe you've not heard this before but that or thought of this before because particularly in the west we think of our intelligence as like pointing to our head it's like i'm a smart person that's my brain but our body has different types of intelligences that are occurring all the time. When you're experiencing emotions, your heart is reacting in different ways, pumping blood based on different situations, based on the physiology of what you're experiencing to adapt to, to different situations, whether maybe you're in physical need or danger, or you know, you're know you doing something strenuous and your heart needs to pump more. There's an intelligence that your heart automatically knows how to do that. And then your emotions are sort of reactions to your heart's reactions to your own experiences or the outside world's experiences. And there's a certain intelligence that comes from that. And then um, the body types have more of a physical intelligence. We have neural pathways all the way throughout our body. But usually body types are referencing the gut. So just below your uh, your stomach area, your gut intelligence is like instinctual knowing. It's a type of, um, it's, it's like body tinges. I'm a body type. I'm a one in the Enneagram. And so as a body type, it's a little bit more of a, just like physical reactions to things like anxiety can sometimes be a heart thing, or it can sometimes be a physical, um, uh, nerve thing throughout your body. You know, it's like when you're listening to music and you get excited, that's like a, a body intelligence. Like your body is feeling satisfied with that. Right. And so another way to think about body intelligence is that when you eat food, you're not having to think about digesting the food, right? It just happens. That's another example of body intelligence. Then body communicates with heart, communicates with head. And so these different centers of intelligence reference those different areas in a sense, right? So when you're a certain personality type, if you're an eight, nine, or one, you tend to have more of an instinctual instinctual bent to you and tend to be more of a body type. And then if you have um, like just now there was a reaction, there was a slight tinge uh, on my door out there. And I had a full body reaction to that because I was prepared to pause the video. If my wife was coming in the door, (laughs) because I needed to, it's just easier for me to do this when no one's around Um, two, three, and four are heart type and heart types tend to be more people connected and tend to be more emotionally focused. And so if you're emotionally focused, as we mentioned with the Myers-Briggs types, there's a little bit more of a bent towards, uh, people connection. So being on stage or being on camera or being on a podcast or, or live chats, things where you can actually read, uh, energetic reads like live zoom calls rather, when you can actually see people's faces are going to be something that heart types will have a, a, a better, uh, more of a focus towards. And then head types five, six, and seven are, as it sounds, heads head focused. Now there's a, there's a also known as the fear triad and like head is kind of about imagination. It's about, um, being able to, uh, think of the world in all sorts of different ways. And so fives tend to focus on information. Sixes tend to focus on fear and sevens tend to focus on, um, uh, positivity and keeping a lighter sense mental sense so like excitement and joy and you know uh, upness (laughs) so you know i i want to cover this in more detail and there's too much to do right now but let me know in the comments below if this is something you want me to dive into the reason i'm doing this little primer is because with each center of intelligence there is a primary focus that each type has so for example as a one I have a head focus or fixation that's called resentment and I have a heart or passion, heart focus or passion that is anger. And then there is a gut or instinctual knowing, which falls into three different subcategories. And that's where we want to focus and give you something to think about when it comes to your relationship to, you know, being a, creator so let's take the body color here and we're going to break our instincts now first of all think about your instincts as what instincts typically mean instincts are kind of animal reactions and so there are three typical instincts that we tend to follow as humans the first one being if that's not a particular order uh social sexual also known as one-to-one, or self-preservation, not self, Oh self-preservation, and let's bring that, it's a, that's a big enough a word, <laughs> uh, let's do, let's make this a little smaller, actually no, hold on, let's make self-preservation a little smaller, because that's the one that needs to be smaller, and then we're gonna keep these other ones visible. Actually, make them a little bigger. Okay, so these three instincts basically sound what like what they are, and so you can intuit what that means. Like, social is a kind of a a, a safety in numbers or around numbers or or tend to be socially focused. So even if you're an introvert. Like you can be an INTP and have social dominant, uh, be, be social focused as an instinct. And so you can have a bent towards people, even if you're more introverted and a thinker type, right. And that kind of makes things a little, uh, interesting when you start to combine these systems. And that's why I'm talking about both systems in terms of answering this question, And then, um, the sexual or one-to-one is more about fusion with another person or a partner. It's like, you know, double dragon style, like you're, you're, and again, it's not about sex or sexuality. It's about connection, deep connection, one-to-one with somebody. And almost like, you know, uh, just having a deep bond with someone. So it can be, a romantic partnership or friendship or a sibling or parent or something like that. And typically you're trying to develop stronger bonds one-on-one with people. And then self-preservation tends to be more self-focused. Like I'm going to do what I can to make sure that I get my needs net needs met and taken care of. I get enough sleep. I get enough food. I get whatever my needs are. I'm going to handle at all costs. And so it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen movies where like, um, something goes down, and then a you know a person runs away, and they leave their friends. <laughs> it's like, that's the self-preservation person. That's like, I'm going to focus on my self-preservation. Whereas a uh, one-to-one person may focus on like, oh, no, I need to go save my wife, or my partner, or um, the person I care about most, and put all of my focus on them. And then the social may put more energy on the entire group. And so if you, there's a sequence that follows these, right? So you can follow as i have them kind of stacked top to bottom or that you can think about them left to right these different um instincts kind of fall in an order and you know it takes time to figure out so don't sweat if you don't know which one naturally fits you yet that's going to take some time and i'll probably do more videos so if you have specific questions leave those in the comments but if let's say for example you have a social dominant preference As a creator, you're going to more likely create in the sense that um, more likely to be on camera, more likely to be on stage, more likely to be amongst a group or doing group retreats or group chats or, um, you know, on camera because you have a social bent and that's just kind of where you feel the most safe. Uh, If you're a sexual dominant, uh, you tend to, I've noticed a pattern of podcasting being a valuable form because you can go further into topics. Now I'm a sexual dominant and this video is about 35 minutes long so far. And so I'm able to go into a topic in greater detail, not only as a thinker, but hopefully connecting with you on these topics. And then you can have a greater response to it. And then we can actually connect on it, right? That's something I'm really always shooting for. That's why I have over 400 podcast episodes and sexual dominants tend to do interviews with people as well. Um, So having an interview on a podcast and connecting with somebody and vibing with them, going deep on topics, it's a very sexual instinct thing to want to do. And then self-preservation tends to focus on writing. So if you're a self-preservation dominant, there is a focus a little bit more towards writing articles, something where you don't necessarily have to have your face uh, available anywhere or your name or anything like that. You can even put an avatar in front of yourself. You can have a, a company name stand in for you. And, um, you're kind of just keeping a distance from the audience, right? You're still sharing your insights, sharing your preferences, sharing your, your whatever. But, um, I, as a self-preservation, uh, I'm self-preservation repressed, which is third, right? So there's a sequence. So if you have, I have sexual, social, Or Sorry, I keep doing the big camera. Sexual, social, self-preservation. So if we were to... Let me just reverse this then, just to show you. Basically, that's my sequence top to bottom. Sexual, social, self-preservation. And if you kind of visualize it, it's almost like like this. Self-preservation is much lower. Social is a little bit more comfortable like I can do social things but it's like not trying to overdo itself and then sexual is usually taking up all my attention so I'm a little bit more focused on my relationship with my wife um, trying to build bonds one-to-one with people um, the social aspect of being on YouTube and commenting is like something I check in with every once in a while but it's not a big deal to me I really love connecting one-to-one and it makes it harder for me to connect with strangers. Sometimes I really want to build bonds, and um, really want to go, you know, deeper in, into topics and stuff like that. So, my instinctual sequence can give me a little bit more of a bent or a preference towards uh, podcasting or speaking for a long time. And uh, so, doing YouTube has been different because I'm like flexing some different muscles. Putting my face on camera, which is a little bit more comfortable, but I can't do it for too, too long. And then the self-preservation repressed, because that's a little bit more writing-focused, which I'll write out on the screen in a second. Um, tends to be a little bit more. It's harder for me because with like sexual dominant is a little bit more activating adrenaline. You're, you're. It's almost like attack mode. It's you can almost think of it as like fight, flight, or freeze. It's like you know, sexual is a fight mode. It's like aggressive sometimes not aggressive in a negative way, but like can activate energy and really have a lot of energy. Social can be a little bit more about blending in with the group. It's more of a fawn or freeze kind of thing. And then self preservation or, or fawn or flight kind of thing. Self preservation is a little bit more freeze mode, a little bit more like playing dead. I anxiety, right? So when I'm trying to activate self-preservation and trying to do some writing, it kind of activates that that anxiety mode, that sort of self-preservation mode. And so writing and those kinds of details and precision can sometimes be really difficult uh, for me as a self-preservation repressed person. but that's something I'm trying to work on doing a little bit more. And so, even though I'm not doing immense detail here, there's you know some little things where I'm trying to, Um, illustrate something a little bit more buttoned up. I've got OBS up. I'm doing, I'm trying to like, everything's a little bit, there's a little bit of structure. It's loose, but it's a little, it's a little bit of structure. (laughs) So, um, and then the last thing I want to write out is the, you know, so, so these are just tendencies, by the way, this is just patterns that I think I'm seeing around amongst different creators and different personality types. And, um, So I didn't cover the Enneagram in terms of each type specifically, but that if that's something you want to see again, comments below, let me know, um, to activate the social part of me to respond to, uh, what it is that you would like me to, uh, share with you. And then, um, so as I said, the sexual dominant type tends to focus a little bit more on podcasting, podcasting. Let's make that smaller. Podcasting or interviews—it um, can be on-camera interviews, absolutely. Um, doesn't have to be just audio because there's a, you know, other things to consider. Some people are more visual, as why I'm doing this here. Can be more auditory, can be more kinesthetic. So those are things to consider, and maybe another video I could do too. If you request that, I'll I'll cover that in the future. And so social. I'm also not organizing my layers, so if you're a Photoshop person, don't just don't <laughs> don't worry about it. Um so on stage or YouTube or even like TikTok um could fit a social person. Uh let's see, on stage or like TikTok and just like showing your face more or like Instagram stories or something like that. And then self-preservation. Let's pull that up. Let's make that bigger. Just a little bigger, because this is still representing my instinctual sequence. And then we can cover, uh, this is basically just like articles, emails, one more, emails. Uh, And then like anything that involves a little bit more precision. Even me writing the word precisions is funny. Um. <laughs> so uh, let, me, let me add uh, interviews to this and all that fun stuff so that I think that in, in essence covers everything I wanted to cover today in relation to this idea of uh, uh, what types of what personality type or which personalities uh, have a like fit which types of creativity or creative expression or things like that. Right. So I'll leave this on there for one more second. So you can get a sense of, I don't know why there we go. Okay. Leave that on there. You can take a screenshot if you want, save that. Um, if you want me to do something a little bit more specific or buttoned up or like a Pinteresty type thing, again, request in the comments. If you request it, maybe I'll do it. Um, otherwise I don't want to, I don't want to waste my energy. <laughs> uh so yeah there's all that there's some enneagram stuff there's some uh instincts related stuff and then we talked about the myers-briggs related stuff as well so let me just put that as enneagram and then we can turn on these ones we talked about myers-briggs types and all that fun stuff so let me fade back to me Yay. Okay. So this is the first time I've really did this kind of like drawing on screen sort of thing. So thanks for being here. Thanks for watching the whole thing. It's a lot. I didn't expect it to be as long as it is, but um, hopefully you'll enjoy it. And if you have requests and comments about this or questions about your personality type, um, I cover a lot of INTPs on this channel, but any other personality type is welcome. So if you know someone who is maybe struggling to figure out how they can create more or what platform they will feel more comfortable on or where that it can express their creativity or they're trying to figure out their Enneagram type or their subtype or whatever. um, Let me know. So uh, two things mainly that you can request. So if you want to request me doing, well, three, really, if you want to do a Myers-Briggs specific breakdown, put your type in the comments below and let me know your question and what you want to know about your type related to creativity and, um, being a creator number two, same thing, but for the Enneagram, Enneagram type. And then third, if you want to see me put, you know, kind of like more graphics like this together, something that's a little bit more buttoned up or something you can print out and share. And, um, uh, that can, you know, like a Pinteresty type thing. Uh, let me know that in the comments below as well. So I think that covers it all. Yeah, I used a lot of energy for this video. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, like and subscribe, all that fun stuff. I don't, is it going to be over here? I think it's over here. Or I don't, I don't know. where. You know where to find it. You, you're you on YouTube. Hit the bell icon. Hit the subscribe thing. Share it on like Reddit or Facebook or one of your Facebook groups where you're talking about all this stuff. I'm only one person. So if you can help me with the marketing and spread this around. If this is something that you really appreciate and enjoy, that would be amazing. And lastly, we have a membership on our school. So if you go to dopamine.school and you can join our membership, there's a bunch of, uh, free, there's a bunch of mini courses that you get with the membership. And, um, there there's also longer courses that will be continuously added as we go along as well and cover other topics. So topic requests, all that stuff, comments below, check out the membership, brah, 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 uh, And that's it. So I appreciate you. Take care of yourself and your friends, your loved ones, each other. Go drink some water. I should probably end every video with that, right? Like go drink some water (laughs) and then I'll catch you on the next video. See ya.